Sean Snaith is Central Florida's favorite economic forecaster. Sean has been named one of the nation's most accurate forecasters by Bloomberg News and has appeared on pretty much every media outlet, from the Wall Street Journal to the BBC. But he has some very strange hobbies. If you've heard me speak over the years, uh, you know I have a, an affinity uh, for SkyMall. You remember SkyMall. It's the defunct in-flight shopping catalog that survives on the internet. Well, Sean, he might just be their biggest fan. And uh, the dean called it a fetish, I think, last year. It sounds a little dirty. He's also a bit of a diva who dreams of becoming a viral internet sensation. Well, everybody can't be a social influencer, though. I mean, I, you know, I, I, that, I think that's what they all want to be. I, I do, too, quite frankly. I th think I got 1,300 on Twitter. I don't know what I can hawk to them. But. And he hates being handled, especially by the college's so-called mean girls. There's a, a group of uh, largely women in the College of Business. So they'll, they'll be shaking you down for money here uh, at the end of the event, but... <laughs> I, I like to refer to them collectively as uh, the Mean Girls, um, and they've, yeah, they sort of followed me since middle school, and uh, they make fun of my clothing and my glasses and things like that. I don't know if you've seen his PowerPoint slides, but we think they date back to the mid-1980s. Is Sean Snaith really worth all this trouble? Are those forecasts right, or do those Mean Girls have a point? That is so fetch. Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. This show is all about separating hype from Fundamental Change. I'm Paul Jarley, Dean of the College of Business here at UCF. I've got lots of questions. To get answers, I'm talking to people with interesting insights into the future of business. Have you ever wondered, is this really a thing? On to our show. This podcast is a condensed version of a talk Sean gave at our recent Dean Speaker Series, where he provided his economic forecast for both the U.S. and Florida economies. Since Sean had already weighed in on the U.S. economy as part of our podcast on whether the 2020 recession is really a thing, we focus today's show on his predictions for the Florida economy. We're calling this the Mean Girl Edition because I've given the team the opportunity to take you behind the scenes and place some of Sean's comments into context. Listen in. No, no woohoos. No. Well, thank you for coming out. I see a lot of familiar faces, uh, all, all members of the uh, Greater Orlando Masochist Club, apparently. But uh, <laughs> welcome back and Happy New Year. I appreciate you getting up early to uh, listen to my uh, nonsense here for a little while. But we, we just released our, our Florida Metro forecast, and uh, I, I sort of uh, recounted my, uh, my, my, my youth uh, growing up, uh, literally, physically, um, you know, I was always kind of tall, um, and in order to get tall, you have to grow. And sometimes that occurred in, in big spurts, and it caused me a great pain in my knees, right? Like, I would get these lumps, and, they, and it just hurt because of the growth plates or whatever. I'm not a real doctor. <laughs> but the condition is called Osgood-Schlatter disease. Uh, and so I think what Florida is going through right now is an economic version of Osgood Slaughter, growing pains. Uh, and our two achy knees are, are the housing market and our transportation infrastructure. And they're not unrelated. We begin our Mean Girl commentary with Jess and Erica. They work with Sean on a regular basis. Try not to laugh. <laughs> and they've got some stories to tell about our favorite economist. His wardrobe is either... I woke up, I'm going to speak at a presentation, dress to the nines with a suit and tie, or it's Birkenstocks on with socks, cargo shorts, and an old t-shirt from North Dakota, where he's from, or where he lived. He likes a good crowd. 
And and to his credit, he definitely he draws a pretty good crowd on his own. But yeah, he is he is aware of how many people are in the room and um, and he asks about that often. Well, he's also been called the Silver Fox before. Jess and Erica are two of the original College of Business Mean Girls. Back to the presentation. So the housing market, things are going great in the sense that you know prices continue to rise uh, at a pace more than twice uh, overall inflation. Uh, you can see sales here, um, you know, above where they were at the height of the housing bubble. Median prices continue to rise; they're higher than they were uh, at the height of the housing bubble. And so this is, uh, you know, a, a pretty pretty solid housing market. Sales continue to rise year over year. Prices, you can see statewide up almost 4% year over year. You know, and again, is this another housing bubble? I get this question, and we've probably addressed it the past three years, and I'm going to give you the same answer. No, it's not a housing bubble this time around. I mean, I know Florida man, you can't put it past them to do it to himself again, but uh, 3.6 months of inventory. And I, I don't know if our, uh, my colleagues in the, in the school, of, uh, the real estate uh, school would, would agree with me, but you know, I think six to nine months, depends who you talk to, uh, of inventory is a balanced housing market. So anything less than that six months of inventory is what you know, the realtors in the room would call a seller's market. It's what the economics professors would call a shortage. And in markets where there's a shortage, what happens to price? Yeah, that's right. You didn't know there was a quiz. There was. <laughs> and the bigger the shortage, the faster prices rise. So if you look around the state at different metropolitan areas, Tampa's a good example, their inventory is under three months. And they have some of the fastest price appreciation in the state. So there is a real shortage in the housing market. And the other thing that's absent this time around that was there in 2004, 5, and 6 that really fed the beast, if you will, is easy money. You know, you cannot just walk in and, and get a mortgage the way you could in 2005 without a job, without assets, without anything. And, and so, you know, in absence of that easy finance and in light of the fact that we do have a, a real shortage, the price appreciation that we're observing, to me, is not something that's, that's alarming. It's just a sign of, of uh, an absence of, of supply. Here in Orlando, it's even worse. You know, 26 months of inventory. Population growth remains very strong. Economic growth, job growth, all very strong uh, in Orlando. It is one of the fastest growing job markets uh, in the country, certainly the fastest in, in the state of Florida. Uh, and that continues to put upward pressure on prices. This low inventory, and you know, we have an influx of uh, population. We saw it from Puerto Rico, the wake of fiscal economic crisis compounded by Hurricane Maria. Now they had an earthquake. You know, geez, I don't know what, how Puerto Rico uh, got God mad, but some, some, something's not right. But I wouldn't be surprised to see another influx uh, in the wake of this latest natural disaster. Jess and Erica, they're some of Sean's toughest critics, but it's all in good fun. And they try not to hurt his overly sensitive feelings. When we had the Auburn conference, we went to medieval times and he was actually knighted and was known as the homecoming king of the nerds. So <laughs> so the nickname is stuck, king of the nerds. <laughs> Most economists, by the way, well, they don't really have feelings. But Sean, 
Back to the presentation. All this population into the area, it continues to put pressure on the housing market. And so, you know, affordable housing is one of the major challenges that, that, that we face right now. And it's not unrelated to transportation. How did we get so far behind the curve? Well, builders in 2013, 2014, and again in 2015, 2016, sort of plateaued when it came to housing starts. Uh, and you can see that in, in the bars there. There's just kind of a flattening out for a year or so, and then they picked up again. But during that entire time period, the demand for housing continued to grow robustly. From 2012 on, Florida was outpacing the national economy in terms of GDP growth, in terms of job growth, population growth, of course, in the state. You know, we're back close to that 1,000 new Floridians a day. And that all feeds demand for housing. Those are the underpinnings of it. But supply just didn't keep up. And so now we're, we're behind the curve, still, still playing catch up. Uh, and ultimately, it's when that supply gets to the market that'll help alleviate and, and uh, dampen some of that price appreciation. Statewide, as I said, population growth is solid. I mean, if you had a coin on one side, it was population growth. The flip side of that coin would be economic growth. You know, more people in a region means more economic activity. It's just by default. This river of uh, a thousand new Floridians a day has three tributaries, right? You've got domestic migration to the state, whether it's retirees, you know, moving down to the villages or, you know, Margaritaville or whatever Jimmy Buffett's new uh, retirement. That kind of makes me sad in a way, you know, that uh, Jimmy Buffett's in the retirement village business, right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and migrants coming to the state for job opportunities, right? Uh, so we've got that domestic migration. We talked about migration from outside the U.S., whether it's from uh, Puerto Rico or from international locations. Florida continues to be a magnet for South and Central American uh, migrants. And then lastly, birth rates exceed uh, the death rate in Florida now. So we're making Floridians faster than we're losing them. And so all that feeds into continued economic growth uh, and, and uh, really for the foreseeable future. You might be wondering how Sean has time to process all that economic data. Well, he's got an army of students working for him. Hi, I'm an unidentified student researcher under Dr. Snaith at the Institute for Economic Forecasting. Only one was willing to go on the microphone. Researching under Dr. Snaith has been a great experience. Um, it's quite sophisticated, really. The most important thing I've learned from Dr. Snaith is, when in doubt, use the Magic 8-Ball. Magic 8-Ball or not, Sean's economic forecasts seem to be pretty accurate. More on that later. Unemployment in the state is even lower than it is nationally. You know, the last time we got unemployment rates this low in Florida was at the height of the housing bubble, right? This unsustainable sort of crazy phenomenon that was going on drove unemployment down to 3.3%. Now there's not really anything crazy and unsustainable. We just have a strong economy pretty much across the board, and it has uh, driven the strength in the state's labor market. State GDP continues to grow faster than what, we're for, uh, than, than what is uh, the case for the United States, and we're forecasting that that will continue uh, here in Florida. Uh, payroll employment, you know, solid growth. Uh, Florida's not quite growing twice as fast in terms of jobs as the national economy, but it's close to double the national rate of job growth. And so, again, this is uh, really pan-sector. Uh, in the economy. This is not some uh, unsustainable bubble as was the case of 2005 and six. This is just a really strong economy that we have. And I'll quickly go through uh, some of the sectors here. The construction sector, that's one of our fastest growing uh, sectors. It'll continue to be uh, going forward. You know, all you have to do is look out the windows 
us to see evidence of it here in Central Florida. You know, billions of dollars of uh, infrastructure projects, billions of dollars of private investment projects. I mean, it's hard to find a road, major road anywhere in this area that doesn't have some construction going on right now. And so couple that with the housing market and and, uh, the construction sector remains quite strong. Professional business services, uh, this is the fastest growing sector right now in Florida's economy. Uh, Most of you probably fall into this particular uh, sector, architects, accountants, white collar jobs, high skilled, high pay jobs, and, and, and they're growing rapidly. Uh, leisure and hospitality, I mean, tourism is just, uh, it's been pretty remarkable. It was the, the first sector to start to grow again uh, after the Great Recession ended back in 2010. You know, people during the financial crisis, the Great Recession, you know, you know hey, you know, dad got laid off and his uh, 401k fell 50%. What are you going to do now? I'm going to go to Disney World. No, you're not. Uh, you know, those trips get postponed uh, in those situations and that kind of uh, leisure spending is a low-hanging fruit when households are tightening their belt. But once the economy stabilized in 2010 and, you know, things started to uh, turn around, the recession ended, uh, the tourism picked back up and hiring in that sec- sec- uh, sector uh, took off and it's remained uh, robust really ever since and and this is in the face of a lot of headwinds right we've had hurricanes we've had Zika we've had red tide you know we've had all kinds of things that that uh, you know should have taken a little wind out of uh, tourism sales but uh, that has not been uh, the case and uh, this will continue to be uh, a cornerstone of the states and, and certainly our region's economy financial activities you know we're finally seeing and forecasting some job growth in this sector. Uh, that, that was, uh, you know, I was on for a long time, the, the Dodd-Frank soapbox, kind of ranting and raving about that. Uh, now it's just mostly the kids that are on my lawn that bothers me. But <laughs> what we're seeing in this administration is uh, addressing the regulatory environment in, in a way that hasn't been done for a really long time. And so the first year of the administration, we saw 22 deregulatory acts for every one regulatory act. Year two, that ratio was 13 to 1. Uh, year three, it looks like it's about 20 to 1, including uh, 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 addressing some of the issues with, with Dodd-Frank. I mean, you know, a, a regulation that large and that complex always, always brings with it unintended consequences. And so the impact, for example, on small community banks of this increase in compliance costs, I, you know, I just don't think was part of the thinking uh, back when this law was put together. I mean, I think it was put together, you know, I don't want to point fingers uh, or play politics, but I think it was put together in a time of, of fear and uncertainty. And we had gone through this horrible crisis that nobody wanted to see repeat. And so at the time, when you're doing something out of fear and all that emotion, Anything that contributed to this crisis, we're going to come up with a new bureau and a new rule and a new regulation, and we're going to stop it. And next thing you know, you've got a 2,600-page law that still isn't fully implemented, by the way, signed into law in 2010. But now that that's being addressed, the, the financial sector, I think, is going to start to see some growth. Over the past 10 years, I believe, there's only been three new banks in the entire state of Florida. And that's a problem uh, in a market economy. You need new entrants into every sector to drive competition, to drive innovation. And, but I think regulation kind of chokes some of that off. So looking forward uh, over the next three years here, average job growth, you can see professional business services, construction, hospitality. 
health services, uh, I think, will continue to grow. I mean, we've got an aging population, as I said. You need a doctor for every body part when you get older. So the demand for health services is going to continue to grow in Florida. You know, paying for it, uh, we still haven't figured that out yet. I thought, I thought the Affordable Care Act was a solution, but now we're saying that's not it. So I don't know what the, what the, what the answer is exactly, but the demand is going to drive job growth in that sector going forward. Looking across uh, the 12 metros that we currently forecast, uh, you can see that uh, you know, Orlando has very solid population growth. Lakeland is uh, booming. I don't know if you've, you've been to Lakeland lately. I know, I know. You know, um, and it's not all just you know Lego buildings. There's actual <laughs> big cranes and real buildings going up because Lakeland is in position between Orlando and, and uh, Tampa, and uh, they're really going to benefit uh, from the growth in those two metro areas and, and currently are. Job growth, you can see, uh, well above uh, what uh, the state is uh, producing. We're forecasting for Orlando. I mean, this is a really good economy. I don't want to jinx it, but, I mean, it's hard to find a flaw. I mean, other than our aching knees of transportation and, and housing, the rest of the, the, the checkup, uh, the bill of health is pretty, pretty good. Uh, I wish I could get the same uh, from my physician. And so looking here at our, our four uh, county metro area, you know, you could see growth uh, even faster than what we're forecasting for the state. Um, you know, much stronger and really uh, across sectors. Uh, and, and I think uh, this is likely to continue. I think there's enough momentum here in central Florida, barring some sort of you know, black swan event to, to carry us for several more years uh, of, of uh, pretty solid growth. And with that, I'll happily take some questions or, you know, go back and sit in my office. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so you listed uh, leisure and hospitality as a growing uh, sector. Uh, I don't know if you read Orlando Sentinel, but they had a nice little segment series called Laborland, which uh, kind of went into affordable housing and mm-hmm. uh, many who work at the uh, parks and leisure can't afford to stay in homes. Um, you saw Universal Orlando pledge $100 million to affordable housing at the same time receiving some money from the county to build a road, which is probably not related to each other at all. But the question becomes, is is affordable housing a significant block to the growth that you're talking about? Because if I can't afford to live where I'm going to work, then I, I can't work properly. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I think I, I don't think it's. Uh, I mean, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a bump in the road. I don't think it's necessarily a roadblock, uh, but it is something that that needs to be addressed. Now, you know, Disney has announced uh, moving to the fifteen dollar minimum wage. I think Universal's done uh, the same. I don't necessarily believe they're doing that, uh, you know, out of the goodness of their uh, their theme park hearts. Uh, I think this is a strategic move to make sure they have uh, the workforce in place to satisfy an increasingly uh, larger customer demand. But the transportation bit, you know, I mean, we have to, first of all, you need affordable housing. Typically to get affordable housing, right, if you look around the country at major metros as they've grown, where do you, where do you live in D.C. if you want affordable housing? Georgetown? No. You go out to West Virginia, 
Well, how do you get from West Virginia to your job at the, the Veterans Affairs Department? You take a train, you take the metro, you take something. So that, that's what we're, we're piecing it together, right? We've got, we've got uh, SunRail, we've got Brightline. Uh, I think public transportation uh, in, in Central Florida really needs to be addressed and, and, and have a source of dedicated funding so we can get those people who might have to come in from, uh, you know, Lake into, uh, you know, into Universal or Disney. And, you know, if you look at uh, surveys of consumer expenditures, for, for, for the lowest 50% of uh, U.S. households, the two largest components of spending are housing and transportation. So those two things can really, I think, improve the, the plight of, you know, folks in labor land, uh, as that story called it. Yes. Could you talk a little bit about the upcoming election? Oh, boy. <laughs> or is that the next meeting? Uh, well, I, I don't know. What college is political science in? Maybe we should get those suckers. Um, yeah, I'll talk about it, sure. I mean, you know, I, I, my speaking career here is, uh, it's been about 20 years now I started doing this. And, um, it's a good run, Joe. <laughs> I'm going to go out with a bang. <laughs> you, you might want to videotape this, and uh, you could tweet it. I'll be fired before lunch. Um, I, yeah, of course. Uh, but, uh, no, so, I mean, in my speaking career, you know, you, you never really know your audience. I mean, I kind of know some of you, but, I mean, you don't. So you stay away from politics. You stay away from sex. You stay away from religion, right? So, some, some people are Democrats. There's all kinds of perversions <laughs> in the world. See, I, it depends where I'm speaking. I change the party, right? So when I'm in Kansas, I say Democrats. When I'm in California, I say Republicans. It gets the same lap. No. My feeling on this, uh, I think incumbency is a, is, a, is a big benefit. I think that the economy uh, is particularly strong. And unless something really goes off the rails, I would be surprised if the president was not reelected. But who knows? I mean, I, I sure, surely didn't predict he was going to get elected the first time around. So we'll see. I mean, I think politics has really changed, uh, you know, dramatically. It used to be, right, it's the economy, stupid. That was it. I, I'm not so sure. But if it's the economy, then I think he's in a pretty good place. Well, thank you, Sean. Yep, appreciate it. The mean girls have a point. Sean is high maintenance. But in my world, like many others, notoriety has its privileges. Sean has been named one of the nation's most accurate forecasters by Bloomberg News and has appeared on pretty much every media outlet, from the Wall Street Journal to the BBC. Who cares if it's because of Magic 8-Ball? Whatever method he's using, it appears to be fetch. Sean's ego doesn't need inflating, but let's hope he's right about the Florida economy in 2020. If so, the Roaring Twenties will be off to a good start, and my May graduates, well, they'll have plenty of job offers. What do you think? Check us out online and share your thoughts at business.ucf.edu slash podcast. You can also find extended interviews with our guests and notes from the show. Special thanks to my producer, Josh Miranda, and the whole team at the Office of Outreach and Engagement here at the UCF College of Business. And thank you for listening. Until next time, charge on. Internet killed the video star.